Good morning, and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. Good morning, Stacey. Good morning, John. We are on opposite ends of the world today, aren't we? So uh, hopefully where you're at, it's what, mid-afternoon, and, and hopefully the sun is shining a bit in New York. Oh, it is summertime here. It's in the, it's in the high 80s. It's crazy. There you go. Makes me want to go back to California where it's a little bit more temperate. <laughs> I was going to say, it's cold and windy here today in San Francisco, which is where I'm at. <laughs> so <laughs> we, have, we have switched our, our weather patterns at our locations today. So, What are you doing in um, um, San Francisco? It's a busy week. So I'll be, um, I'm spending the first part of the week uh, talking to the Success Factors team. Uh, they did an industry analyst update this week. I have an update meeting with Workday because I wasn't able to uh, be at their industry tech meeting because of a, a speaking engagement. So I'm doing that while I'm out this way. And then next week I'll be um, staying on the West Coast so that I can go to the ServiceNow uh, conference and get a little update on what ServiceNow is doing. So busy couple of weeks out here on the West Coast. Uh, lots of stuff going on. So you're in town over the weekend? In town over the weekend, yes. Town staying with uh, our dear friend Catherine Jones. Oh, oh, that. Analysts get together, yes. <laughs> That's the power center of the industry analyst universe. The, yeah. The, um, the Stacy Catherine alignment. It's very interesting to hear. <laughs> I don't know how much power is, power is there, but but we definitely have some good laughs uh, while we get together. And what are you doing in New York, John? You're you're out there for another in, uh, another analyst event, right? Well, it's, it was a two prong trip. The first prong was I gave a. Uh, a very well-received talk to the O'Reilly AI conference. O'Reilly is the sort of working person technical conference. If you're if you're building AI in the larger AI content, this is the conference that you go to. It's where you learn about the latest advancements in the technology. And uh, they were kind enough to to get me to talk about. Um, AI and human resources and the different kinds of tools that we need to do it well. And so that was the beginning of the week. And then today I am in Asbury Park, New Jersey, which is famous as the home of Bruce Springsteen, um, on the on the beach in a hotel with a company called WCN, who are a full spectrum recruiting platform provider. And and sort of some of the usual suspects. The other half of the analyst world who's not at the SAP event is here. That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the other half. And um, so you, you were being a little humble about this, this presentation you did. This is a pretty big deal because this means the rest of the world is listening to the issues that HR is dealing with, right? I mean, this is the, this is the kind of event where Bill Gates and them talk, right? So th this is a pretty big deal. Well, and so, so it's um, Bill Gates wasn't Bill Gates wasn't there, but, he wasn't there. but yeah. most most of the leading lights in artificial intelligence are at this thing, and um, and and there's an understanding that's emerging that the problem of applying AI to complex organizations is non-trivial, and that that the tools that are great for beating Go or um, managing a marketing funnel are not the same kinds of tools that you want to use to make decisions about people's hopes and dreams. 
Um, and so, so I'm, I'm, you know, this is this is the stuff that I'm taking very seriously these days. And it was great to have a hearing in this setting uh, because the, the technology isn't going to change based on HR's ability to invest. It has to it has to change based on the industry's ability to invest. And so, to get the right tools with HR, we have to spend more time letting the broader AI community know what our did you get any interesting questions after the presentation? Was, was, the, was there some sort of like, hey, how do I understand HR kind of questions? Or, or were there other things that they came up with? Um, you, you know, the, the, the big deal questions are interface design in contemporary software is not really useful if you have to think long and hard about something. And most interesting yeah. HR problems involve thinking long and hard about something. So, so there was a subset of the questions that had to do with how do you make an interface feel less like a complete accurate measurement and more like the start of a conversation? Um, because, because the information that, that machines are able to generate about people and their work in organizations today is clumsy and primitive, and you want to be able to explore the data rather than be handed an answer. And so, so it's a different way of thinking about the interface, and that got the interface designers that gave them all headaches. Right? The, the, <laughs> idea, the idea that that intuitive, fast, quick, clear, is the opposite of the kind of interface that you want with um, artificial intelligence that's about your mother's promotion. Uh, that's, that's, that's a kind of user experience that they haven't really thought about. And so, and so there were a lot of scratching heads and a lot of, oh, and, and it's just going to take a while of repeating that message yeah. to get it across at that level. That's fascinating, and 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 I think that's it's it's great that you know those important questions are being asked, right? Because like you said, it's you know it has such an impact on people's real lives, right? The, the things that matter every day. Right. Wow, that's really really cool. Um, and so and so you're at uh, WCN. Okay. Is are they? Have you been to the event yet, or are they just taking it off? Yep, I've been I've been in the event. It's it, it's a very wonderful and rich alternative to the standard. Um, the analyst thing. This this is um, very homey, very very homey. We did the, the the sort of pre-event entertainment last night was a trip to a retro pinball parlor uh, where every imaginable pinball from the last fifty years was set up, and you could play them, um, which most people didn't, and I did a lot, uh, and and. WCM, WCM, the, the argument in the in the meeting this morning was about whether or not it's a good idea to cut hiring managers out of the hiring process. And, you know, Gary Crispin and I have been going around and around about this for a very long time. Um, he believes that recruiters know better than hiring managers. And I sort of believe that that's nonsense. Um, and that that question is really important as 
companies like WCN figure out what it is that they're going to automate and what it is that they're going to deliver intelligence on, um, the question of is there or isn't there a hiring manager starts to be very interesting. Right? You might invert that and say, is there or isn't there a recruiter? But I was just going to say that, some... but I'm sure that didn't go over well. <laughs> right? there's going to be some rearrangement of those relationships because a lot of the administrative stuff can get handled by a machine. Um, and so, so you can expect that recruiting like learning and like performance management and like all the rest of the rest of the talent management disciplines, um, the, the silos are going to start decaying and, and you're going to start seeing products that mix all of those things. And so so getting a clear recruiting platform is towards a different kind of HR, I think. Very interesting. Very cool. Well, I'm on the other end here talking about core HCM with success factors. So the big focus here was almost the opposite of looking at point solution um, they were spending a great deal of time this week talking a lot about really the idea, I think, that has been sort of in and then out again, the, the, the full intelligent enterprise suite. Um, that seems to be the big focus for success factors. Um, over the last year, they've had a lot of new leadership um, come into the organization, and that new leadership has spent a great deal of time figuring out how they take what success factors does very well, which is talent management, and connect that more tightly to what SAP does very well, which is sort of the enterprise data analysis and vision, um, and use the power of both areas. Um, so that was a big part of what they were talking about. Amy Wills and James Harvey, who have recently taken over in the last year, um, the uh, product strategy and product engineering group, were both sort of talking hand in hand about, you know, a lot of time being spent right now, sort of a, readjusting the infrastructure needs, making sure they could handle very big loads, making sure they were on their new HANA um, platform uh, so they could handle some of the new analytic capabilities that they want to roll out. Um, so it was very much of an update uh, analyst event this week. I will have to do a, a shout out. Jennifer Newman and Michelle Knight, who are the analyst relations group here at Success Sectors, um, did a fabulous job. Just everything sort of ran the way it should run, you know, on an analyst event. And, and that's sometimes very tough because um, people are oftentimes um, – uh, difficult to handle when you've got this many people because they had all the analysts, um, several of the SAP subject matter experts, many of the customers that they had coming to this event, and they, they did a fabulous job putting it together. Um, I also thought what was really interesting is they mentioned, um, you know, SAP Success Factors, I think, has been has had a little bit of a slower uptake in their cloud applications in the U.S. to some extent than internationally internationally their numbers look really really good and are growing pretty rapidly we're seeing you know i think even the research that the cedar does and others have seen you know, their growth outside the u.s is 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 well known in south america middle east as well as japan and other areas of asia pacific um but one of the big i think focuses they're having now is is fixing some of the support issues that they had that, that were causing issues here in the north america market um, and making sure people realized that they were hitting some of the numbers that they expected to hit from the cloud growth. Um, and so they mentioned that they are, they are now at 2,450 employee central clients, which is the big number. That means that the core HRMS plus multiple other things people sort of use and address in their cloud platform. 
um, and they're at 1,500 organizations live. Now, one of the things me and you talked about is they also mentioned that they had 650 million transactions a day um, that they were now um, basically doing within their entire cloud portfolio. And for them, that cloud portfolio is, is pretty expansive. But you, you thought that might be a little bit a little bit hyperbole there. Maybe you want to comment on that a little bit, John? <laughs> well, well, so let me let me tell you the math that I get. So they have okay. 1,500 live clients um, with 650 million transactions. And I gave them the benefit of the doubt and said the average client size was 10,000. But there aren't, it, it's smaller than that. But, but but let's say that it's 10,000. So 1,500 times 10,000 divided by 650 million is about 44 or 45 transactions per person per day inside of their system. And that seems, um, it seems like if my HR system was asking my people to make 44 transactions a day, um, I would be looking for another HR system, um, right? So, so there's something wrong with the number. Yeah, uh, and, and I think this is and, this is. Yeah, go ahead. That's okay. No. Well, I was just gonna say I think this is part of the challenge that analysts have when they're when they're dealing with the numbers that that firms give them, right? So, 1,500 live on Employee Central, but they also have a number about. To, to 5,000 who are using their GM product, which is their collaboration tool. Now, that it, some of them are part of the 1,500, but the 1,500 is the employee central, like the full the, the idea that someone has bought into the employee the profile tool, right? Um, which is employee central, and it it it's sort of it's hard to understand. Like, is the 650 million also including all of those GM clients? And it, and it might very well be, right? Um, is 650 million also including all their um, concur clients and their field glass clients, which are also expense and um, contingent workforce um, interactions, which would be a whole other number on top of the numbers that you're talking about, right? So I, I agree. I agree. I think you know if you're just looking at what they say they have live in a certain area, this seems a little high. But that's part of the challenge, I think, for the analysts. We get numbers based off of what any industry, you know, organization is trying to sort of show is working for them. And for SAP success factors, the big goal I think they were trying to show with this number is that for a while they were struggling a bit with whether or not they could handle very, very large complex operations to some extent. They had a couple of service um, challenges. They had, you know, a lot of complaints about, you know, some of that, um, their operations issues, right? Um, and they spent almost a good hour talking about the fact that their service and operations tools now are highly tuned. They've got a lot of tools now that are letting them know when they're going to have peaks or valleys in the amount of people hitting the system and how they can disperse the different um, movement and location of where people are hitting the system from. They can now tell where the bandwidth issues are coming from, things like that that are important. Um, and this, I think, was part of that number. So that's a good point. The, you know, the other thing that success factors uh, was was really, I think, um, what I was pleased to see this time, because sometimes you get um, good um, customer feedback from you know various panels that organizations put forward. But a lot of times the stories are pretty similar, and they're very careful about what they're sharing. 
Um, they did have a, a customer panel here, uh, one with a large lighting company, a large hospital here in the United States, and Teva Pharmaceutical from Israel. And I was very, very um, intrigued by the fact that every one of the, the three sort of heads of HRIS or heads of shared services or CHROs that was on that panel were completely um, transparent about some of the challenges they had, as well as some of the positives they had. Um, were open about the the things that happen inside their organization that caused challenges with getting the applications in use, but also we're talking about how those applications had changed the dialogue with their business leaders when they were able to get them up and running. Um, they've talked a lot about their system integrators, which is a big issue for SAP success factors. Um, so it was really good to see a panel that was transparent and the leadership of success factors was very transparent this week. So, so I think we're going to hear more from them. I think this has been a building year, um, and that was uh, the big focus was getting closer to the SAP Enterprise Suite was the story. So that's that's cool. You know, I I went to this. Uh, I, I won't mention a name, although I should. I went to this presentation last week where a vendor claimed to be able to point um, a recruiting department to any of a million, a billion. Point two, one point two billion potential candidates, right? which is, you know, um, I, I'm encouraged by some of my colleagues to refer to it as hyperbole, uh, <laughs> but, but or exaggeration. But I, I would use a stronger sort of word to describe what it means when somebody says they can get you to one point two billion candidates. Uh, and so, so there's this. It's it's a great season for marketing, and there's an enormous numbers inflation that that I think it's really important to ask questions about what those numbers actually yep. mean. I agree. Right? I agree. And, That's part of <clears throat> dive into them. Yep. Yep. Okay. So so, so what is what is the mailbag? So outside of the trips we've been taking, there's a lot of of exciting news. I mean, we talked last week a little bit about Ceridian and their IPO. So we definitely have some updates on, on Tridian this week. There's also um, a, a bit of funding happening with uh, Laszlo Glock's um, new organization. And then if we have some time, there's lots of news going on about Facebook. Um, they had their big annual conference. It was obviously a little bit more subdued than the previous years because everything has been going on, but they had a lot of announcements that have an impact on the workplace conversation. So, so but Ceridian, did fairly well. We talked a little bit about the IPO last week, but it hadn't really sort of hit the market yet. Um, uh, when they finally sort of closed at the end of the day, they were up 42% um, for their IPO, closing above $31 by the day's end, um, where they had um, the pricing uh, had been expected to, to range at $20 per share uh, previously. Uh, have you heard anything from, from anybody else on, on the 30 and IPO? Was, was, was this Good news? Did it go where they wanted it to go? Is this this the the, the amount of numbers they were looking for? Um, I I assume everybody was as delighted as they could be. Uh, IPOs haven't generally come out of the shoot um, um, with um, with that kind of a, a bounce on the first day. So I'm sure it was a, a big success. Um, and I would be interested in seeing how it is today. So it's still above that price. It's moved up and stuck 
Um, so everybody, everybody who's involved is delighted. It's still today it's thirty three fifty, and so, so until there's a hiccup, they've made good money. And and they'll be back on the track. I'm sure we'll getting more updates from them uh, once the IPO um, news all slows down and and they start talking once again about what they're doing from a product perspective. I, I don't. You're not having gone through many companies going public. You you've probably gone through more than I do. Do you expect sort of they'll change their communication methods and we'll probably get a get a change in 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 a lot of their direction. I would assume right once we once they sort of get back to, to talking to the market again. Well, the the really interesting thing is once you take the company public, you've sold it, right? And so the management gets very different, and the composition of the board of directors gets very different once the public markets have their way with you. And so, so Sheridan is going to be held different standards going forward for reporting and and the way it releases news about what's going on inside of the company. And that transition is always bumpy. Always bumpy. So, so we'll see. You and I will experience changes in the way that Sridian operates over the coming year. Well, it, it's definitely going to be uh, an interesting space. The workforce management, which is a part of what they do along with payroll, both of those spaces are heating up a little bit. Um, there was a lot of discussion at the Sales Factors about workforce management and payroll this week, and I know Kronos has had a lot of announcements as well recently. So um, I'm interested in seeing how the year ends on this one. So, um, But we're also getting funding for organizations like Laszlo Block Humu. Now, this is still not actually out in the market. This is This is still just sort of the idea that he's creating a technology that is going to help people work better and enjoy work more. At least that's my understanding. Now, Lazo Block was the uh, head of HR for um, Google, right? Am, am I correct in that, John? Right. Yeah. That's um, right. that's and, right. and he's been gone for about a year from there. Did you get a chance to see any sneak peeks at some of the stuff that he's working on? Because it, it's definitely a lot of AI, it sounds like. I haven't. I, I'm not particularly of the opinion that Google is an interesting model to follow, right? So, so, so I haven't evaluated as closely as I might. Google is is a company in a bubble where all sorts of things are possible because they print money, uh, and, and only some of that experience is applicable to the rest of the world. And so what will be fascinating to see is what adoption looks like for, for something that is essentially the automation of the Google philosophy of hiring and employee management. Um, and um, is there a market for that? I think, I, think, I think time will tell, but I imagine that the fate of a company like this is going to ride on Google's overall reputation. Um, and there's enough mm, heat in the privacy um, conversation so that, that it may be that Google's reputation is about to suffer the same fate as Facebook's reputation. And and if that happens, then the bloom comes off of this from the road. Yeah. And, and so will it stand on its own? 
yeah, well, stand on its own. Can you do this kind of management without really rearranging your cost structure? Is the the question, right? Um, and it doesn't when you when you say all of the pretty things. The fact that it has a direct impact on your bottom line that goes at first on an investment path, which means it it subtracts from the bottom line. Um, to get to a result that, in theory, will improve the bottom line, that's that's a harder sell in HR. Right? It's a much harder sell in HR. You, HR typically buys products that reduce costs, uh, and so so the idea that you're going to improve along the lines that Google is operating, which is a a much more expensive labor. Uh, figure than than a regular company, but it'll be interesting to see if that works. Yeah, there's only so many Googles in the world, right? That's the whole point of being unique. But somebody believes that that this is an, uh, a good idea. You know, they're at 40 million funding now with both the Series A and Series B. So um, we'll, I'm sure, hear more from them. So, you know, 40 million is a lot, but it's not the biggest we've seen. So so it's somewhere in the middle there. So it's it's right. it's a, a space to keep watching. Um, we also saw a little bit of news this week from Workday. Uh, Workday launched what they're calling their new design system, a canvas for innovation. Um, basically, if I, if I understand this appropriately, this is tools they're, they're sort of putting out on their platform as a service, their, their, in, their, their infrastructure. They're now allowing their customers and partners to create applications on the um, Workday platform. They're putting out tools that uh, will help people design in sort of the workday design approach from a look and a feel perspective. That's that's my take on it. Um, so it's more than just guidelines. It's a methodology. It's you know a, a design approach. I heard a lot of that from Success Factors as well. Their Fiori design, you know, uh, strategy and methodology and their relationship with Apple and designing um, their uh, tools that are on the iOS platform. Um, th this is sort of a big thing right now, and you were just talking about it, design and whether or not you need to focus on sort of the, the approach from a visual perspective, or I think what you were talking about, which is much more from an interaction perspective, right? Yeah, so so you understand what this offering is. Work they have is designed is a set, sort of a set of best practices to make Company customer access stuff fit better in Workday. Is that, is that what? It is? No, my understanding is yeah, this is on their Workday cloud platform. So you know their 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 extended platform that people could create their own mini apps on, basically. And so this is a tool to help you design in the Workday, you know, visual and layout and user interface approach. That's my take on okay. it. Okay. So this is this is in simpler terms, this is the ability to overlay your branding on the workday product. Is that right? No, because this is outside the workday product. This is this is like uh um uh um Salesforce's uh Dream um Dreamforce, right? The 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 extended platform. Um, I don't know enough. I don't go in and program these type of tools, but I would assume that they're, you know, when you're when you're in there and sort of building your applications, you can make them look however you might want to make them look with various 
a tool set. I think what what uh, Workday is doing here is giving you guidelines and and some tools to help you make whatever you build outside of their application look like Workday, so that the two interact well together. Okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. Um, it's a big plan, then, it's extended platform. Yeah. So so that's that's how to read this. This is. This is if you're going to integrate inside of their extended platform, you can use this to make your transitions between providers cleaner. That's my sense, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I don't know okay. how big a news uh, it is, but it but it was interesting. We got we got an update on it and, and I think you know it just shows that we're talking a lot more about extended platforms. Um, and as we're wrapping up today, we have just a minute left, but I, I do think there's a lot of news going on about workplace in Facebook. So Facebook's got a lot of got a lot of news that's on the not so good side because of privacy standards and issues. But they also have their big event, and with their big event today, they announced 50 SaaS integrations and bot directory. I don't know exactly what the bot directory is, but I, the SaaS integrations mentioned many of the customer companies we work with on a pretty regular basis, including ADP, Kronos, and Paycheck. Um, along with companies like ServiceNow and, and SurveyMonkey and Cornerstone and Udemy, lots of companies that we follow are now basically tightly integrated, I guess you would say, or connected to the workplace um, application in Facebook, which is the sort of work version of Facebook that's more secure. Um, and they're showing how the screens are going to integrate and the bots all integrate. It, it, this, is, this was pretty big news. A lot of people were talking about this yesterday. Uh, and what this is going to mean for people. Did you guys talk at all about it in your areas? Not even vaguely. Not even vaguely. This is an earlier stage operation. Um, I'm surprised. You, you know, uh, the Workday has this big sort of get into normal working environment initiative. I, I'm sort of surprised to not see them on this list. I bet they'll be there next yeah. time around. Yeah, I. This seems to be targeted towards smaller organizations. When you look at who, uh, you know, Cornerstone may be the one stand out on this, but the ADPs and the Paychecks and, and the Kronos, I think this is probably with the Workforce Ready audience, which is their smaller group, right? My mm -hmm. bet is that, that this is for people who are using Facebook as, as, a, as a tool within their company for, in, you know, communication and information passing and, and messaging and teams. And that's what they're, they're trying to do here. So. Cool. Well, another great show coming to a close. Any last thoughts before we head off into the sunset? No, I think it's been a, a busy week. It'll be another busy week next <clears> week. <throat> uh, both of us will be at different events. So, note, thanks for listening, and, and we're excited to to, uh, to to share this this travel bonanza that me and you are on right now. So. <laughs> great. Well, you've been listening to HR Tech Weekly with Stacey Harris and Sean Sumter. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you again next week. Bye-bye now.